The title of this morning's message is The Resurrection in Me. The Resurrection in Me or in You is how you would say it. So everybody say, The Resurrection. resurrection. Say, In Me. Now say it like you want resurrection power in you. Some of you are like, ooh, I don't know, Jesus' power pretty good. <laughs> That's going to cause me to be different. Everybody say, the resurrection, resurrection. In, me. in me. All right, and so as we kick off this uh, sermon this morning, we're going to use our quote that we've been using through the whole series. And over here by the graveyard scene that we have, it says, um, Les Brown made this quote, and it's very famous now. It says, the graveyard, it is the richest place on earth because it is here where you will find the hopes and the dreams that were never fulfilled. You will find books that were never written. You will, you will see songs that were never sung, inventions that were never created or shared, cures that were never discovered, all because someone was too afraid to take that first step. That's a very sobering thought that the graveyard can be the richest place on earth because it's there where you'll find books that were never written, songs that were never sung, inventions that were never created, and cures that were never discovered, all because somebody with God life on the inside of them was too afraid to take the first step. As we kicked off this series in the very first week of the series, we talked about the graveyard and how we got some things in our life that once we've been set free, and that was our whole first series, the Freedom Series, we had a big celebration Sunday where people walked across the stage and ripped up signs, and we had a big time party at the church, and it was amazing. But now that you're set free, free to do what? Free to do what? Because the problem we run into is the same problem that the, we've had historically is once slaves get set free... If they're not freed into something, they'll go right back into slavery. Once you've been set free from that addiction, if you're not starting to walk out your walk of faith, immediately being immersed into something else that you're called to do, you'll return back to that addiction because you're lost out here in freedom with no stability. So our job as a church isn't just to set you free. If it's just to set you free, then it's just about us saying we set you free. Our job as a church is not to set you free, but it's to set you free but free you into the callings of God on your life, amen? And listen, the best sermon you're going to hear is going to be next Sunday morning, okay? Because next Sunday morning, you will leave here with an assignment from God. You will, some of y'all say, well, I've never known what my calling is, or I never know what I'm supposed to do, and we always say this. The most commonly asked question to all ministers is this, how will I know or what is the will of God for my life? Next week, you will know and leave with your assignment, I mean, you, can, you will physically able to be, be able to write it down by next Sunday morning when we're done. So you'll want to be here next Sunday morning. This Sunday morning, we're going to find out how you've been empowered to start what you're going to find out you're going to be or do next Sunday. But there's got to be a starting place, and so that's what we're working on this morning. And so once we found out that we've got callings and stuff that we've laid dormant or dead, that God is calling back to life, we realized that last week we have a lineage that we came from, and as we're born again into the kingdom of God, the Bible became our lineage, okay? It says Abraham's the father of many nations, not just the nation of Israel. We were grafted in as branches. Get the sermon from last week if you missed it. We now have a lineage through the scriptures where adventure and faith are our lineage leading up to you. Now, are you going to carry on that lineage of adventure and faith in your life? We got King David, adventure and faith. We got King Solomon, adventure and faith. We got Joshua, adventure and faith. We got Moses, adventure and faith. We got Samson, adventure and faith. We got them all full of a lineage of adventure and faith. And then it gets to us in Western culture, America, and we're like, nah, TV's good enough. <laughs> that sounds like a boring life. 
So you have a lineage leading up to adventure and faith, which now begins to rest on you, where it's your job to start a heritage. A heritage is not what you came from, that's your lineage. A heritage is something that God places in you that you're going to start and see carried forward. So you're going to come from a lineage, you're going to leave a heritage. Does that make sense? And you're going to do it by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so all this stuff that we're leading up to gets us to the point of where we're at today. And today is the day that I really say we do this. We flip the switch. We flip the switch in our life. Where we go from classroom setting to real life application. Can I get an amen? amen. And what do I mean by that? Do you remember when you were in driver's training? Everybody's like, oh yeah. <laughs> See, you're not remembering the classroom part. You're remembering the driving part right the problem is we've been in classroom training all our lives we've gained knowledge of the scripture all our lives we've been sitting in a classroom all our lives you sat in sanctuaries similar to this or some had stained glass windows some had higher peaks and a bigger steeple i guess you could say but you've sat in a similar setting all your life and you've got great knowledge but there's nothing like getting out of the classroom and getting behind the driver's seat of that driver's ed nissan Sentra, baby come on Vroom. There's a reason they don't give driver's ed student Camaros, amen? <laughs> Come on. First driver's ed car I ever got into was a Nissan Sentra, four-door, amen. Come on. All four of them squirrels in there just burning, yin, 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 going at it. But there was nothing like finally after all that time in the classroom of getting behind the wheel of a car, nervous a little bit, palm sweaty, instructor freaking out, <laughs> right? Listen, I was a horrible driver back then, and I'm a horrible driver now. That's why I do other things when I drive. So you just think that's why I'm bad. No, I'm just really bad, <laughs> right? I'm just really a bad driver. And so in this process, it's time today for us to flip the switch. It's time for us today to go from classroom setting to behind the wheel and starting to drive, amen? amen. It's time for us to kick off what we're going to finalize next week. And as we flip the switch, I've got to read to you this verse, and it's out of the King James Version of the Bible. I know some of y'all are like, whoa, what's up with that? Because I, I never used King James Version of the Bible. I lost them in first service. They're like, dude, we scoured every Bible out there. Couldn't find the version you used. And I looked at it, I was like, it's just King James. They're like, you never use King James. Hey, y'all give our sound booth a great big hand clap for all the awesome work that they do. And so, as we jump into this, it says, but if, everybody say, but if, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, the term two words, the first ones, two words, but if, many times when we hear those words, we automatically begin to think the word but and the word if are question words. Is God making a statement here, or is the writer of Romans making a statement here, or is he asking a question here? I'm going to settle this once and for all. Paul is making a statement here. He's not asking the question saying, but if this is really happening. He's making the statement because but if translated into the Greek literally means this, moreover or more than. So when you read this verse, you could literally read it like this. You could read it. More than this, the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives and dwells inside of you. Or moreover, church, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives and dwells in you. 
So now that we've got this resolved, and Paul is not asking a question, but Paul is making a statement saying, the very same Spirit that raised Jesus' body from the dead lives and dwells in you. It's time for us as the church to get out of the classroom and get behind the driver's seat. Amen? It's time for Crystal to begin to understand this, that she doesn't just have a license, she's got keys to the car. (laughs) You didn't run off with your mom and dad's car, did you, when you were a kid? Okay, she's being good. <laughs> I can't say the same to my sister-in-law because I've called her out. I know her stories. Amen. <laughs> now listen, she got red. I'm in trouble. <laughs> At least I get to go home with my wife and Jeff gets to go home with her and Dan on my problems. <laughs> now here we go. When you first got the keys to your car and you got that license, what is the first thing you would do? You didn't sit there and go back to the classroom. (laughs) You didn't walk back in there and say, "Hmm, I think I want to sit down and learn just a little bit more. (laughs) Right? No, you said, baby, let's do this by experience. (laughs) And the faster the car, the better. (laughs) Or the faster the motorcycle, the better. Or the bigger the Jeep, the better. (laughs) Amen. You didn't, as a kid, want some old safe Mazda. And I'm not making fun of a Mazda. But I am saying if you had the choice between a 1984 Mazda and a 2015 Camaro that's a souped up to the max and you got the tanks in the back where you turn the nitrous on. Okay, maybe that's just me thinking. Come on now. now come on. In this process, why spiritually then that you have been given the driver license to have a life of adventure, a life of faith, do you choose to sit back in the classroom not wanting to get behind the seat of your brand new Camaro souped up and get ready to drive? Now, come on, some of y'all should have got that. Because a lot of us, God has given us the very same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the grave that lives and dwells in us. And you're like, let's just go back to the classroom. I'm ready to study a little bit more. Now, come on now. Not one person in their right mind, if I gave you the keys to a Ferrari, would sit in here and say, hey, pastor, I'm going to finish this message before I go out there. I'd even be rude to myself and say, Joel, I'll get your recording. (laughs) I'm out. I say, Jeff or Damon, y'all handle it. I, there, there's, a, there's a Ferrari out here for me to drive. And we need to, as the body of Christ, get in the car and drive. Because Paul didn't say if as a question, but if as a question. He said, it's yours. The very spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the grave is yours. And it's giving life to your mortal body. So it's time to start driving this baby. Amen. And we've been so driven by ourselves for so long, we haven't let God do the driving. And we've drove ourselves right into the ditch. So now it's time to begin to change the process. And as I jump into this process that we're going to begin to talk about, you got to understand there is not one gifting greater than another. Some of you guys are sitting here thinking, well, yeah, but I'm not a pastor, and I don't get to be on stage, and I don't get to talk in front of people. That's not me. That's not who I am. So I guess I got a Pinto and not a Lamborghini. (laughs) Not true at all. There is no such thing as a minor gift in the Word of God. No such thing. And listen, those gifts that we look as less important, the Bible says those are absolutely of the most important. And even the better thing for you is that if you're not on stage, you get your rewards directly from God himself. We got to settle down here for the attaboys. Now, I'm not sitting here saying we don't appreciate your kind words and your generous words that you say to us after we get done with worship or preaching or pastoring or or Wednesday night services or whatever we're in. But the truth of the matter is that the Bible says we who get recognized here on earth have our full rewards. And so what you see is what you get. (laughs) 
when you guys get to heaven for serving behind the scenes, and I'm just going to throw them out there, Andy and Linda Crouch. Amen. Come on. Come on. Can, can I say uh, David and Lisa? Yes. Yeah. Amen. Can I say uh, Greg and Jennifer? Amen, who never really get all this great recognition. When y'all get to heaven, you guys got crowns in store for you that you get a whole handful of, and you get to go lay at the feet of Jesus personally. Amen, come on. And so those of you guys out here who say, I'm just called to help out wherever help is needed, the Bible says, good, whatever your hand finds to do, start doing it. Because our rewards are not for a worldly recognition. The fact of the matter is, when you guys give us praise for doing a great sermon or great worship, that is us laying our crowns right then at the feet of Jesus. But those of you who don't get recognized here, and you're serving behind the scenes, and you're working hard, or if that's kept you from serving behind the scenes and working hard, get ready. You get to face-to-face lay your crowns before Jesus Christ and say, this was all for you. And I don't know what I'd rather, I think I'd rather be able to do that up there. And so in this process, there is no such thing as a gift that is small. There is no such thing that a call, as a calling that is not worthy. There's no such thing as somebody who says, if I only thing I ever do is sweep the floors, and, and that's all God's called me to do, oh, I just, I'm, just, I'm just not as blessed. That is so not true, because even that, the Bible says God will use it to bring people to the kingdom of God. So understand this as we jump into this thing of our gifts and our callings and as we jump into this exciting life of adventure and faith, God has it worked out that when you get to heaven one day, you're going to get to lay your crowns at the feet of Jesus Christ. And so as we jump into this this morning, we know it's no longer a question if he's talking to us or if the spirit is for us. It is for us and it dwells in us. So let's get to the, the, the meat of this matter here. And as it jumps out, it says, but if we answer that part, the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. And we're going to stop right there because that word the dead literally means in the Greek, it's a Greek word called nekros. It's a Greek word called nekros, and it means this, literally, one that has breathed its last or lifeless. One that has breathed its last or lifeless. So if it's breathed its last or if it's lifeless, and it's talking about Jesus, it means Jesus was not just dead, he was really dead, 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 and dead. Can everybody get a word dead? All right, so if Jesus was really dead, and that same spirit began to raise him from the dead... What does God want to begin to do in you? Now, I'm going to read you a couple verses of Scripture this morning. And the first one is Acts 3.15. And it says, you who killed the, listen to this term, author of life, but God has raised him from the dead. We are witnesses to this. You who killed the author of life, but God has raised again from the dead. We are witnesses to this. Romans 4.17 says this, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father, talking of Abraham in the sight of God, in whom we, he believed. And listen to this. The God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. Some of you got to get the understanding, and I'll make it real simple and clear for you this morning, that we serve a God who specializes in giving life to dead things. We serve a God who specializes in giving life to dead things. And if we serve a God who specializes in giving life to dead things, the one question that I have for you, how does the very spirit of life itself continue to reside next to dead things and the dead things not be affected? How do we know that the spirit of God, Damon, that raised Christ from the dead, dwell on the inside of us, yet our marriage is dead and not be affected by the very spirit of God who gives life that the Bible says is the author of life itself? Now, now, this caused a crisis of belief for me this morning. (laughs) 
Not later the past week when I wrote this out, I was rereading my messages. I was putting them in the, the screens for the notes up there this morning. And that question hit me in the face like a ton of bricks. And God said, Joel, how do the lifeless dead parts of you that I've been trying to prune off for years, how do they sit right next to the life, that, the spirit that gives life, and these dead things not be affected? Ooh, I don't know about you, but I got up and did a happy dance right there in the booth. <laughs> I was so excited to hear God say that because that means God's about to bring some dead things to life inside of me. See, sometimes God poses a question to get you to start thinking about the dead things that are unaffected by the life that he's got on the inside of you, saying, get ready because the dead things are about to start living again. And just like in the Valley of Dry Bones, you may hear bones start rattling around. You may get some semblance of life back in that marriage. You may get some semblance of life back in a good family structure. That job that you've been dreading to go to work to every single day, it's going to start getting a little life back into it. You may not just dread going, but you just may not like it a little bit, but then the bones start coming together and then they begin to stand up as a vast army and God begins to put life back into something that was not just dead but dead 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 and dead and gone so my question is what is going on in your life that we can come up here and we can praise God on a Sunday morning and we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and we can say Jesus has been raised from the dead but heaven's celebrating not Jesus raised from the dead heaven is celebrating the resurrection in you that he's fixing to raise some things from the dead in you so how can we sit here this morning with dead things right next to the spirit of life and the dead things not be affected if you'll open it up just a little bit life will start flooding into a dead thing in your life some of you have completely given up on a relationship with your kids. Oh, they're grown. They don't love me. We've had some horrible times in the past. If you're still alive and they're still alive and y'all are both physically breathing, listen, God can make a restoration process happen. And listen, if God can specialize in lifeless things that don't breathe and giving them life, both of y'all are still breathing. You've already got a, a step forward on you. Understand this. God specializes in bringing life to dead things. And if you'll trust him enough to open up your death to his life, God can restore some things in your life. See, some of y'all are sitting here saying, I really wish God would give me a spirit of joy. It's not a spirit of joy that you're needing. It's you need to let life infiltrate something dead. And when resurrection happens, what joy comes? Some of you need to let life infiltrate something dead. And when resurrection happens, joy comes. What is God trying to speak to you about? And if that very same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells, I'm going to see if that word dwells just for a minute. That word in the Greek literally means this, to take up habitation or residency. I like this. Same thing in Psalms 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High means uh, you're having an address change. You're moving from whatever streets you're on here to 777 Street of Gold is what I like to say. Amen? Okay, some of y'all read Revelation, you'll understand Street of Gold. But the Bible doesn't say that we're taking residency up there. The Bible says this, the Spirit of God is taking residency in here. So some of you, when you got born again, whether you realized it or not, you got a lot more than Jesus as my Savior. You got a new somebody moving in and taking up an address change in your life. And so when you got born again, listen to what happened. Jesus saved you or made you born again and sanctified you. But God said, it's not good enough for you to just to be sanctified because Jesus is up here with me. He did the work, but I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you as a deposit, guaranteeing the salvation into what is to come. So Holy Spirit, thank you for what you do. Jesus came here for three days. The Bible said the Holy Spirit is going to be here forever until Christ returns. Now, if he's going to be here forever till Christ returns, and he is literally, if you're born again, had an address change into right here in Joel's heart, 
Some of you got a, uh, in your life, you think of him like this. Holy Spirit, you're an uninvited house guest. <laughs> but if you'll embrace him as a house guest, and you'll honor him as a guest in your house, man, if you will treat him like an honored guest in your house, there is nothing he can't bring to life. And so that word dwells literally means, Joey, he's taking up residency in your life. He is taking up residency. So he's moved from heaven. Get this. Jesus came down here for 33 years in three days, give or take. The Holy Spirit said, I'm giving up my home forever because I would rather dwell in you to make sure you down here get to be back with me up here. <laughs> Ooh, come on now. That's good. And in your life, if you'll embrace the Spirit of God, the same Spirit, the Bible says, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that dwells in you, if you'll embrace him, he'll begin to bring a life into dead, situ dead situations. It goes on to say this. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. And I love how Paul got so specific on this. Because Paul knew how um, whitewashed we would be in the year 2015 in the Western culture. I won't say Paul did, I'll say God did. He knew how whitewashed we would be with our scriptures. So Paul goes to say, I'm going to clarify what body I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the spiritual body of Christ. I'm not even talking about the spiritual body of Jeff, and that's going to be his glorified body one day. I'm talking about your mortal, lifeless body, the one that is liable unto death, it translates into the Greek. So there is no question about what body he's talking about. Aaron, there is no question that he's talking about Joel's physical body. The Spirit of God's going to dwell in it because this is the only body that I have that's liable or able to die. So he clarified real quick. He said, he will give life to your mortal bodies. And now that term right there, give life. Everybody say, give life. Give life. I'm about to bring this ship home, okay? Everybody say, give life. That term in the Greek literally means this. Give life is a term, zoe poieo. Say that with me three times. Ready? I'm just playing. Some of y'all are like, oh, what? Like you said, Pastor, get me behind the wheel. This classroom stuff ain't for me. <laughs> right? Zoe poieo. And that literally means, zoe means God life. It's the same life that it talks about in Genesis when God breathed into the nostrils of Adam and it says the life of God came. It's that zoe life. Poieo means this. It means to do, so give life means uh, zoe poieo, or it means this, God life to do. See, that should have been a big shout. <laughs> See, because he put the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lifelessness, that was dead, 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 and dead, that same spirit put in you to quicken this physical mortal body that's liable unto death. He put that spirit in you, so he gives Jeannie God life to do. That's what he's saying. Today I'm not celebrating, I am celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. But what gets me more excited is that Jesus didn't leave me here to die. Jesus is celebrating the resurrection in me. Jesus is celebrating the resurrection in me. So some of you are saying, Pastor, you told us before we would leave here today what we could start doing to start getting the experience behind the wheel of this car that you're talking about. Here's what you do. You got God life to do whatever you want to do. <laughs> Clarify. <laughs> not a license to sin. It's a license to put God life in everything you do. It's a license to put God life in everything you do. How many of y'all love folding laundry? If you love folding laundry, stand up. Because I'm just going to give you an invitation straight to come to my house. <laughs> come on now. And nobody in this room like folding laundry. And me and my wife, if we could do anything, it'd be not fold laundry. <laughs> I mean, we don't like it. I mean, dishes last for about 20 minutes on a long day, but laundry lasts all day long. Lord help us. But the Bible says he gave you God life to do laundry. That's not exciting. 
Oh, but do you remember in the Bible when there were sick people and they brought handkerchiefs to the apostles and they laid their hands on the cloth and then they laid the cloth on the sick people and the sick people got well? He gave you God life to do the laundry so when you're folding your kids clothes that you're worried about your relationship you say oh lord god train up a child in the way they should go and when they get old they will not depart from you my kids are going to have an inheritance for their children's children and even unto the next generation oh my babies are protected by psalm 91 right now as they put this shirt on their back they're going to feel the anointing of god because psalm 91 is all over this shirt in the name of jesus and whoo y'all can get some laundry done <laughs> grab them socks Woo, you can only go where the Spirit of God leads you to go. Amen, in the name of Jesus. Come on now. Even funnier, some of you ought to grab your spouse's socks. You can only go where the Spirit of God leads you to go. Come on now. You, then you, your spouse ain't got a choice to line up with the Word of God. The clothes they put on get anointed. I mean, he gave you God life to do. And God life is not supposed to stay. God life is supposed to be imparted. God life is not meant to stay. It's supposed to be imparted. And so the next time you're doing them dishes, you can say, thank you, God, that I had food on my table. The Bible says the righteous will never be forsaken or their children will never be begging for bread. I thank you as I get to do these dishes. You've supplied all my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He gave you God life to do dishes. And if some of y'all would start celebrating the God life to do your daily task, he'll give you God life to do a phenomenal vision. Some of you stay-at-home moms who think, all I do is I'm just a stay-at-home mama. Ooh, you are a stay-at-home prayer warrior anointed by the power of God to see the, the, the anointing of God fall on your husband and your kids and your life and your home is your castle and your refuge that you get to go and you're not just sweeping, you're sweeping out the things that ain't supposed to be here and you're imparting the things that are supposed to be here. You're vacuuming saying this is the day the Lord has made, we will be rejoicing and be glad in it. This household is a household of faith and Lord weapon formed against it can prosper and y'all, some of y'all would never put the vacuum down. <laughs> Come on, all you men who gripe about mowing yards. Come on now. Just walk in the power of God. God made my hand strong for the task at hand. I'm not a lazy person because uh, when you're lazy, uh, poverty comes upon you like, like, like a thief in the night. And I'm not lazy. And so you just begin to walk anointed. See, I, I, people say, Joel, why do you like mowing the lawn? Because I get to talk to God. My wife wonders why I like to mow the yard. It's because that's what I do. Now, I get some of the best messages mowing my yard. There'll be once in a while, I ain't even playing. <laughs> I'm going to tell on myself, it's second service, I'll go a little late. <laughs> I didn't say this in first service. I refrained. I'll be mowing my yard. And I'll just be talking to God. And I'll be like, whoa, come on. <laughs> I need playing. And some of y'all are like, that is silly. Wait till you get touched with resurrection power and he brings stuff to life that's dead inside of you. I, I mean, I ain't even playing. And people are like, whoa, he must have just got stung by a bee. <laughs> stung by something. And you guys, you're, looking, you're thinking, man, that's funny. That's crazy. I'm going to try that. I don't want you to try it. I want you to understand that you've been given God life to do it. God life to press into it. And so this morning, what you need to begin to do is you need to begin to celebrate the God life in you. 
You need to begin to celebrate the God life in you. And if you'll begin to celebrate what you got, God will begin to bring you into things that he's trying to show you or your vision or your calling. And so my challenge for you is for the next seven days, quit griping and complaining about all the junk in life and start celebrating what you do got in the resurrection power of God on the inside of you. And I guarantee you, if you can hold your tongue for seven days from speaking negative junk, and you can start celebrating the anointing, life-giving power of God today for seven days, it's going to set you up for your assignment next week that you will get before you leave the service. And I'm serious. So if I could tell you, if you want to have it plain Jane, one sentence, what this whole sermon is about, it's time for you to go celebrate the God life in you. That's all it's about. All of, hell of, he, all of heaven is celebrating the God life in you, but we're not celebrating the God life in any of it. We're just thankful that Jesus raised from the dead. And I'm not making light of that, but I believe there's times when Jesus has been perturbed at Joel T. Meyer because all he's done is gripe and complain instead of celebrating the God life in me. God said this, I have given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Why? Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave has given me God life to do this life right here in this mortal body. And so I don't know about you, but I know the year 2015 needs a lot of more anointed believers celebrating the God life to do. Amen.